listening to a Hindustan Times production brought to you by HD Smartcast. Hi, this is Manjula Narayan, National Books Editor, Hindustan Times, and this is the Books and Authors podcast. It's a weekly podcast where I speak to authors who've got a new book out. Hi, so today we have with us Jitendra Dikshit, who's the author of Bombay After Ayodhya, A City in Flux. Hi, Jitendra. Hi, Manjula. How are you? I'm fine. Now, you know, I was reading this book and um, I found it a fascinating read because it tells you everything that happened uh, like post the 90s down to today. And, you know, I, like I was saying before the conversation, since I was, I, I'm originally from, you know, Bombay. Yeah. So, Mumbai now. Yeah. I, I still forward. <laughs> that shows my age. <laughs> so... Uh, so it you know all these things that you speak about kind of brought back to mind all the things that the city went through and what it experienced experienced all the landmark events so you want to begin by talking about how you you know how you began writing this book and okay. how it's in first person you know all that yeah sure manjula so uh, what uh, motivated me to write this book was uh, my previous book which i had written on kashmir so while researching for that book i had uh, read a few books uh, uh, for by from a kashmiri authors like curfew night by basharat peer then our moon has blood thoughts um, by rahul pandita so when i wrote uh, when i read those books so i uh, felt like uh, the 90s of Kashmir and 90s of Bombay have like many things in common. They are so similar. You know, uh, in 90s, uh, there was a gun culture in Valley. Every day there were shootouts and killings. Similarly, in uh, Bombay also, uh, there were shootouts every day. Uh, But uh, the only difference was that uh, in Kashmir Valley, the youngsters picked up uh, the guns uh, for ideology and uh, in Mumbai, it was happening uh, for money. So gangs recruited yeah. all these uh, people. And uh, every day there were uh, killings and uh, uh, extortions and shootouts. So I thought like Rahul Pandita and Basharat Peer, they have uh, told their stories through these books. So I think uh, 90s of Mumbai also calls for a book. So uh, this is how the idea germinated and I started working on this. Huh. And, and you know, I found it very interesting, you know, you talking about living uh, within the area and watching uh, events playing out, you know. So talk about the place where you grew up and which you've, you know, you which in the first part of the book, you uh, you mentioned quite extensively and, uh, and the surroundings as, you know, the riots broke out post Ayodhya and all that. Yeah, so, uh, you know, I was uh, born and brought up in an area uh, which is uh, known as Masjid Bandar. Uh, the name is called Masjid Bandar because, there's, you know, there's an old 400 years old synagogue there, uh, which local people refer as Masjid. So, and Bandar means uh, the uh, docks and the ports. So, the, the area is named as Masjid Bandar. And uh, uh, this is an area where the, the majority of population, majority of people living there are Muslims. This area falls under pin code of 400003. So uh, the rest of 
the Mumbai refers to this area as uh, Bombay number no. 3 and you know uh, the people residing in this area were once very uh, were, were feared in um, different parts of the city like uh, people will say ki bhai usse panga mat lena Bombay number no. 3 ka shana hai and all that so <laughs> 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 so so this was like perception about uh, this area and uh, being born and brought up uh, there i saw tremendous violence violence in terms of gang wars you know uh, before this gang war broke out between chhota rajan uh, and daud ibrahim there was a gang war between pathan gang and daud so i had witnessed uh, uh, that violence uh, that gang violence uh, in my locality after that there were communal riots in two phases in 1992 and 93 and um, in both the phases uh, we have to leave our home to uh, Uh, escape getting killed uh, by violent mobs uh, so yeah. that was one thing then uh, we had seen terrorist attack also in that area on 12th march 1993 uh, in the uh, on the 12 locations which were targeted uh, one of the location was in masjid bandar the, the area was called as katha bazar so that was very close to my home and in fact uh, i had passed from that place from that uh, spot where the bomb has exploded uh, just a few minutes before so uh, i have seen this uh, violence very uh, closely while uh, as a teenager as a child uh, who, who was uh, who had uh, been grown up in bombay number no. 3 so all uh, such experiences have been uh, put in this book and uh, there have been many anecdotes also because i have not simply put my experiences but i have then uh, i have revisited those uh, places i have uh, met people i have done some research also so uh, this is how this uh, book has come up Yes. and I, i found it interesting that you also went back and you spoke to you know classmates and you spoke to uh, former professors of yours and got their perspective of events or at that time you know talk about that yeah exactly see uh, 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 like uh, uh, me being a, uh, a hindu so i was seeing uh, uh, everything from a hindu family's perspective like uh, yes. uh, whatever like uh, the hindus were being targeted by muslim mobs and all but what was going on in muslim area that time so what was their side of story so uh, for that because i uh, simply didn't want to put it like ki uh, how like uh, uh, muslims did uh, such atrocities on uh, the minority hindu population in that area because uh, something similar was going on in muslim areas as well so uh, then i reached out to my uh, former uh, classmates then other residents of that area uh, my uh, political science professor who also resided uh, close by so i spoke to them and got to know ki uh, what were their experiences what were their observations and Uh, during uh, those uh, weeks when uh, riots were happening so what they underwent and what was the thinking in that locality so i got their perspective as well so uh, this is how i tried to uh, you know uh, i'll not say balance is the right word uh, but uh, i tried to encompass uh, Uh, their views also what was happening apart from what was happening with my family and with me uh, i also tried to put uh, what was happening uh, in the uh, muslim locality surrounding my house okay yeah so that that's what makes it more full you know yeah. and complete hmm and another thing you know what i found in the initial parts of the book like like one once all these things happened you know i found uh, everybody like back in the 90s only everybody going oh the old bombay is dead then we used to be so great and even now i hear people yeah exactly <laughs> yeah people are very nostalgic about bombay yeah 
But now when I think about it and your book brings it out also, like <laughs> there were riots before, maybe just in the 80s and before this, uh, before Ayodhya happened, there was a like, brief lull. Yeah. But, <laughs> you know, your book brings out that, you know, in 1941, exactly. also 1936-36. So talk about that. So this nostalgia that we have is not really true. Yeah, exactly. You know, uh, Bombay has has been like a very communally sensitive uh, city uh, since uh, like uh, more than a century. I have mentioned with the years, like when the riots happened and for petty reasons, riots have happened in Mumbai. So uh, oh. Mumbai, people talk about like, see uh, people from all communities, they work together, they live together. Mumbai is such a cosmopolitan city. But if you look at the history of Mumbai, you will see that there have been tremendous uh, like uh, violence uh, in the name of religion and communities have clashed uh, every 10-15 uh, years. There have been, uh, there has been bloodshed, people have have been killed. So uh, it is like uh, just uh, a, I will say a, a wrong perception that uh, Mumbai uh, has been always a city which uh, has seen communal harmony and all that. So, but uh, just before 92-93 riots, I have mentioned, uh, I have written few chapters which tell us uh, what exactly were the circumstances which led to such a flare-up after Babri Masjid's demolition. You know, after Babri Masjid was demolished, there were communal clashes across India. But the severest of the clashes happened in Mumbai. And the uh, reason was that Mumbai has been always very reactive to global events. Anything happens even after 92-93 riots. You will see there were uh, uh, several incidents uh, where something else happened in some other part of the world. But the reaction was seen in Mumbai. So before 92-93 riots, uh, uh, I have mentioned that incident about uh, Salman Rushdie's book. So that... Uh, yes. Uh, Muslims of Mumbai had gathered uh, three years before those riots to protest against uh, that book. Uh, and uh, there was a clash between uh, cops and the Muslims in which uh, uh, 12 people were killed. So, uh, uh, in that, uh, uh, after that incident, there was a general belief that the police uh, is biased towards uh, Hindus or police. Uh, it's like uh, police is anti-Muslim. Uh, the thing is... Uh, on the same day when that riot broke out, another group uh, of Dalit organized uh, of uh, Dalit community they had requested for a permission and they were given the permission. But uh, these Muslim organizations were not uh, allowed to take out the protest march. So there was a feeling like they they were being uh, like uh, sidelined or they were not uh, 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 being uh, treated fairly. So this kind of a feeling was already there uh, in the Muslim community. And after that, you know this. Uh, Lal Krishna Advani's Rathyatra came. So that also charged up the atmosphere. So these were the circumstances preceding 92-93 riots. And that's why we see that uh, although after Babri Masjid demolition, there were riots across India, Mumbai uh, had seen uh, the largest toll. Manjula. Yes. Yes. And, you know, I found it interesting that this bit, I didn't know this bit. I mean, uh, this thing about uh, Salim Makani being the, uh, you know, the driver of the truck of the Ratyatra of uh, LK Advani's thing. 
Yeah, exactly. Even while researching this, uh, uh, even I was uh, like uh, surprised to see his name. Like uh, I got to know only when I was researching for this book that uh, the driver of Lal Krishna Advani's Rathyatra was a Muslim. And uh, even I tried to contact him, but uh, there was a deadline for the book. Otherwise, I would have uh, quoted him as well. Uh, I would have reached out mm-hmm. to him and interviewed him as well uh, for the book. But uh, since uh, there was a deadline and uh, I didn't get enough uh, Time, uh, otherwise I would have, uh, he stays somewhere in uh, Dombeoli near Mumbai. So I was trying to find out his address, but it was taking too much of time. So yes, it is like uh, quite heretical that (laughs) uh, the the Yatra, which propagated uh, militant uh, Hindutva ideology, uh, was like uh, a Muslim was part of it, a Muslim was uh, driving that Rath. He was driving it. I mean, I found it amazing. <laughs> I think he's a great story in itself. I wonder what he has to say after so many years. He's still alive. Yeah, I, I people people tell me that he's still alive, but uh, I have not been able to get in touch with him. <laughs> <laughs> okay, okay. And you know, I all these things they like, brought back so many memories, and you know, even that uh, Bal Thakre calling uh, Chagan Bujbal Lakhoba. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and and like one when one reads this book, you know, you realize that so many things have happened. Yeah. So I was wondering, how did you put it all down? And these are all you know, news stories. Some of them, and like like this um, uh, Makani thing, yeah. uh, stories that one didn't know about. But you've managed to piece them all together and put them in a narrative that makes you look back at your own life also when the reader is reading it think acha ye hua tha and you know hmm. this is the time when this happened so talk about that how did you do it okay so uh, while like uh, first of all i thought that i'll just narrate my experiences uh, whatever happened what i underwent and what i saw and all that but then i saw hmm. uh, then i thought that this book could be a good document of uh, what transpired in mumbai during last 30 years you know uh, it, it could be a good chronicle so then i started yes. meeting people then i started uh, search, searching for research material then i uh, 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 sat for many hours in libraries getting old books and uh, then uh, uh, like uh, I, I interviewed a few people who were like part of these uh, incidents or these events so uh, mm-hmm. In this way, I thought that uh, this could be a good document, like people down the line, 50 years down the line or a few years later, if somebody wants to research about Mumbai, somebody wants to uh, read what happened after 92-93 riots. So this could be a good research material for them. So this is how I perceived my book and then uh, how I started my work. Ah, very interesting. Very interesting. Because, you know, even from this perspective, so many like 20, 30 years later, you know, when you look back and you think this line when you said uh, Bujbal's defection was engineered by Sharad Pawar, Bal Thakre's close friend, but his political nemesis at the same time. Yeah. I started laughing. <laughs> <laughs> because this was a general gossip that everybody was talking about on the street also, right? Yeah, exactly. So, they, they have been and, very good friends. Sharad Pawar and Bal Thakre, they have been very good friends they used to spend their weekends together they used to go for picnics together they used to share many things uh, in fact yes. Sharad Pawar used to advise Bal Thakre about his uh, medication both of us like uh, they shared many things with each other so uh, oh. but politically they were like Kattar Dushman you say in Hindi uh, so they were Kattar <laughs> Dushman of each other 
uh, <laughs> and they used to like shower expertise uh, against each other like uh, during uh, shivaji park rallies you can uh, even on in on youtube you can find so many videos where uh, bal thakre is showing saying so many things against uh, sharad pawar so yeah. you can't imagine that ye log itne acche dost bhi ho sakte hain यकीन ही नहीं होता है कि स्टेज पे खड़े होके एक दूसरे को इतनी गालियां देते हैं बुरा भला कहते हैं बट इन रियल लाइफ दे हैव पर्सनल लाइफ दे हैव बीन सो गुड फ्रेंड्स तो दैट्स वेरी सरप्राइजिंग या yeah and also you know this particular chapter also made me think about you know when you said post ratyatra advani advani emerges a face of abrasive hindu cultural nationalism in india and you know from this perspective you think oh god you know back then things were so different you know and you captured that and and that you know it also makes you think about things like fate and luck and you know how Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. I, I know what you what you mean. I, I, I <laughs> so you you are trying to relate this with the uh, current scenario and with uh, what's yes, happening yes. in BJP today yes. or what's what's happening in national politics today and where is Advani today? Yes. So <laughs> yeah. I know what's going on in your mind. <laughs> <laughs> and all readers, all readers may read those chapters, especially. You think that also when you read the Pramod Mahajan chapter, yeah, yeah. you know hmm. what happened. Like you and you put that all like you put it all down. You know the, his rise and his sudden fall and the whole family being destroyed. Yeah, in a sense, all that you know. Yeah. So that's what I meant when I said it's almost like a folk history. Yeah, <laughs> you know. Do you want to talk about you? See, uh, uh, the uh, the news that Pramod Mahajan was shot was broken by me. Uh, as a TV yes. journalist, I I have narrated that incident how I landed to Mumbai after uh, shooting for the whole night in Delhi, and then I got this call mm-hmm. and how I confirmed that news and how I broke it. Uh, but you know that investigating officer who investigated the murder case. Uh, he was you know a very secretive person he was not like uh, 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 talking to media and journalists and uh, he he was very elusive so uh, and just before the charge sheet was going to be filed he resigned from uh, the mumbai police and uh, yes. he uh, went untraceable like you no know, we tried to find him out but <laughs> what happened was uh, a uh, few years later he joined my company i was uh, with uh, star news then and uh, he mm. joined the star india uh, in, uh, in uh, i think uh, he joined uh, in uh, no, vigilance department uh, or in admin department yeah. not, legal exactly department. Uh, not remembering that so for I few you put legal department yeah legal, legal department. department yeah legal department yeah 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 mm-hmm. so uh, uh, he worked there for um, uh, a few year and but even then I, i tried to approach him and i tried to speak to him but uh, he kept mum and he didn't reveal anything but uh, mm-hmm. and then again he went untraceable uh, he quit that job also and then he went untraceable but uh, uh, while working for this book i thought i'll try my luck and i i, I searched for him again and i found him and uh, uh, luckily he agreed to talk to me and uh, reveal certain mm-hmm. things so uh, mm-hmm. we sat together at uh, bandra uh, at uh, a coffee shop and uh, for hours mm-hmm. and then he revealed all those things to me that ki uh, how pramod mahajan could have been saved agar wo thoda sa politely baat kar leta ek bhai ke kandhe par haath rakh deta to shayad aisa nahi hota because you know uh, pravin mahajan uh, 
आया तो था कि ही विल मर्डर प्रमोद महाजन ही ही हैड प्लान टू किल हिम बट एट द सेम टाइम उसका जो गुस्सा था इफ प्रमोद महाजन वुड हैव स्पोकन टू हिम पोलाइटली वो गुस्सा उसका खत्म हो जाता सो ही वुड हैव सेव बट ऐसा हुआ नहीं एंड प्रमोद महाजन इग्नोर्ड हिम एंड दैट यू नो उसने उसके गुस्से को बढ़ा दिया एंड देन that aggravated the situation and he shot him so yeah. there were many things like uh, he used to interact with pravin mahajan this guy anil mekwan uh, is the officer who has interacted the most with pravin mahajan and pravin mahajan told him many things so yeah. this uh, mekwan told me that uh, you know pravin mahajan had a sense of entitlement uh, pravin mahajan used to say ki jab humne garibi dekhi hai humne saath mein itna sangharsh kiya hai ye sab dekha hai to aaj ki tarikh mein jab uh, we are uh, prosperous aur sab kuch theek hai to wo bhi hame barabar mein hi hame milna chahiye so that kind of uh, mindset uh, had been uh, pravin mahajan so ye sari cheeze uh, he told me बहुत सारी चीजें थी विच वी कांट से महाजन फैमिली मुंडे महाजन फैमिली एंड दे सब लोगों की कॉन्स्पेरेसी थे Huh. so you know another thing that what i found remarkable about the book is how you know you have like in, in when the riots are happening and all how people uh, you pointed out how you know especially one i think there's one part where i think prem shankar no paresh joshi huh. paresh joshi that man yeah. you know he is very introverted person but uh, then he started throwing stones exactly. during the riot exactly you know? exactly and again and again even like when you're talking about the uh, guys who bombed the thing when you you know when you see them in court they just look like and um, you they just look like any old boys ordinary people but they have actually carried out all these murders exactly so, you know what happened during that that time was like aise uh, log people who were not involved in any crime or any kind of crime in the past or who were not of criminal mindset they also uh, got involved in the violence and one big reason was fear if i am not mm-hmm. coming down on the street to fight then the other community people writers from other community will enter our area and kill us and loot us and uh, do so many things so just because mm-hmm. of that fear um, and hatred also just because of these mm-hmm. two factors all these people they came out on street and started throwing stones or uh, uh, glass bottles or uh, gathered uh, weapons uh, to attack uh, the other community mm mm-hmm. Hmm. and and this is i mean i think this is part of our uh, uh, general it's constantly happening like normal people suddenly go mad right this we see it constantly in riots uh, across the country i don't know yeah yeah exa- exactly 
uh, exactly uh, in many uh, places like uh, wherever you see like communal rights uh, um, uh, uh, flare up uh, these uh, such kind of reasons are there where you, you common people get involved where common people uh, mm. get involved in uh, killing each other uh, damaging public property or damaging property of other communities so the, the first thing is fear that if we don't fight uh, we will be eliminated and second thing is hatred hatred caused by so many reasons for uh, due to politicians or many other uh, economic factors and many other factors so just because of fear mm-hmm. and ha- hatred you see that in uh, many cases if you study uh, rats across india so you will see that primarily uh, due to people with no criminal background they participate in communal violence just because of fear and hatred mm mm-hmm. and uh, you know you've spoken about according to the shri krishna commission's report both phases of riots collectively killed over 900 people and left 2000 injured but uh, and like you say the sharad pawar has said in his autobiography that 2000 people were killed so we still don't have an actual figure of how many actually died no yeah exactly they, they have been like shri krishna commission has put one figure and sharad pawar in his autobiography is writing uh, Uh, 2000 people so i don't know and we have to like we cannot discard sharad pawar because he has been uh, chief minister of maharashtra for four yeah. times and just after yeah. uh, the second phase of riots he took over the chair so we cannot like uh, we have to uh, uh, we cannot like uh, discard ki ye to unhone bas aise hi likh diya and uh, generally uh, because he is somebody uh, who had access to the uh, resources who had access to official files who had access to official records so uh, um, if he is saying 2000 then it is possible that 2000 people might have been killed yeah yeah and i found this bit also very interesting how did bal thakre get away you are, spoke to kp raghuvanshi yeah. in 2016 yeah. and raghuvanshi blamed the shri krishna commission he said how would i have arrested bal thakre when the commission had not even recommended it Yeah, exactly. That's quite a yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like um, you know, the face of the riots was uh, for the second phase uh, was Bal Thakre because you know first phase it was like uh, people understood that just because of Babri Masjid demolition, uh, Muslims had come on street and uh, they started riots. But uh, when mm-hmm. second phase of riots started, so uh, it was uh, like believed that it was Shiv Sena who was like uh, responding. Uh, uh to the first phase like taking revenge of the people who got killed uh, in the first phase of riots and bal thakre was face of it and in sri krishna commission's mm-hmm. report you will find many instances where shusena uh, shusena's mouthpiece samna and bal thakre were held responsible uh for second phase of riots but still like um, still people wonder and many activists uh, who are working against uh, communalism they still ask question why bal thakre was not arrested then Hmm. Yeah, and then you know, I found it later on. You deal with it at length, but also how it changed the character of the city in the sense of how people moved out of the old areas. So let's talk about that. Yeah. So I'll tell you uh, example of my own locality. Like uh, mm-hmm. uh, as I mentioned that the whole geography uh, uh, of that uh, Masjid Mandar. so there were very few uh, hindu families staying there like mostly hindu gujarati families so after riots they all moved away now there is not a single hindu family residing in that particular chawl in that area so they have been uh, bought by muslims similarly where uh, 
Muslims have been in minority and uh, surrounded by Hindu residents, Hindu neighbors. Uh, they have sold out their uh, houses and they have moved to some other localities like Mumra, Nayanagar in Mira Road and uh, other mm -hmm. places like Bhivandi. So, you know, there have been uh, some kind of ghettoization after uh, these riots broke out. And we see evolution of uh, small cities like Mira Road, Bhayandar, and uh, uh, Mumbra also developed after that. Then uh, Navi Mumbai, which is a planned city, which actually uh, the plan was made uh, uh, three decades before, uh, two decades before the riots. So that also mm. evolved only after people started moving out of Mumbai. So uh, for, mm. in, uh, for New Mumbai, I'll say that uh, one reason was riots, but other thing was that uh, Mumbai was uh, getting overpopulated and there was so much of pressure on the infrastructure of the city and resources of the city that uh, it, another city, a satellite city was required. So that also led to evolution of uh, cities like Navi Mumbai. Mm -hmm. And also, it also came at the same time when... Uh, um, exactly, um, when the, the riots broke out, after the riots. Hmm. And then the real estate boom also happened yeah. with liberalization and everything, right? Yeah, so exactly. So talk about that, yeah. Yeah. So uh, what happened was like uh, after, uh, you know, when people started moving out, so uh, these new cities developed, new, new towns developed. So real estate uh, prices of Mumbai went down. But, uh, you know, after like uh, freeing up of uh, mill lands and other uh, areas, uh, this, uh, this SRA Act came into being where builders were getting uh, land for uh, in return of constructing uh, houses for people living in slums. So, so many land parcels were freed up and uh, all of a sudden, like... Uh, uh, much land was available uh, for housing and for commercial purposes. So once again, there was a boom. So people started uh, buying houses, many for investing because real estate uh, industry started booming. And once again, after 2005, six, uh, like uh, the prices shot up. So I'll tell you my example. I bought a one BHK flat in uh, 2005, uh, which costed me with stamp duty and registration 21 lakhs. In uh, 2018, when I sold that flat, I sold it in uh, 1 crore 78 lakhs. Sorry, wow, one, wow. 1 crore 20, 1 crore uh, 24 lakhs. 24 lakhs. Yeah. Uh -huh. yeah. yeah. So, what you know, is, this is the kind of uh, increase uh, in the real estate prices. Uh, hmm. And also, you know, but uh, let's talk about the film industry as well, which is all, uh, I mean, you've brought all these strands together, real estate, you know, criminality, gangs, and because these are all the things that are, that have happened over the course of these three decades since, uh, since uh, the Ayodhya riots in Bombay, right? So the film industry has been an integral part of this. Of the face of Bombay and of all the things that have happened in the last three decades, including you know even when this ter when terrorism became a thing, then Sanjay Dutt's case and you know this uh, Abu Salem and Monica Bedi and all these things that you've you've touched upon and also how Sunil that um, you know I found that suddenly I remember that it's right that you know Madhukar Sarpodar could only win because Sunil that stepped back after exactly so exactly. that was a good yeah. procure arrangement between. Bal Thakre and uh, Sunil Dutt. So, yes. uh, Sunil Dutt approached Bal Thakre. This has been narrated to me by M.N. Singh, who was uh, joint commissioner that time and who later on became police commissioner of Mumbai. So, he told me that Sunil Dutt approached Bal Thakre to uh, help him. 
so bal thakre issued a dictate that sanjay dat be released although it was surprising for many because just before bal thakre uh, ordered sanjay dat to be released or suggested that sanjay dat uh, should be released uh, samna was carrying daily reports and editorials against sanjay dat ki how he has been yes. uh, hand in glove with the traitors and terrorist and he himself is such a criminal so basically what they in calling him khalnayak khalnayak and all that yeah, exactly so all of sudden uh, bal thakre takes a u turn and uh, asks uh, uh, the uh, government to help sanjay dat get a bail and come out so that happened because uh, that time uh, <laughs> like uh, since uh, his party was in power so nobody could uh, disobey him and uh, he was known mm-hmm. as a dictator so uh, sanjay dat came out but there was a quick since uh, bal thakre has been a politician to kuch uh, dene ke badle mein kuch liya bhi unhone so wow. mn singh told me that uh, once uh, like uh, sanjay dat was out fir uske baad mein deal hui ki uh, from that seat uh, uh, sanjay sunil dat will not contest and uh, madhukar sir both yeah. the won that election Mm-hmm. and also this this one i thought this rahul rai who was threatened after this tridevi tridevi the guy who made you mentioned him also i thought he left forever he came back to bombay no uh, he used to occasionally visit uh, mumbai but uh, he settled abroad you know after that he settled yeah. abroad Yeah. yeah so he has not come back ever na just like that nadeem also because yeah, nadeem, that case nadeem has was an made an accused in gulshan kumar's murder case Yeah, yes, like yeah. Indian government uh, seriously pursued his extradition. Uh, a case was fought, uh, a legal battle was fought uh, in uh, London's court, which uh, mm. uh, in which Mumbai police got defeated. You know, and uh, still, uh, like uh, he was uh, in the wanted list. Nadeem Safi was in wanted list. He was uh, yeah. like uh, Mumbai police saw him as one of the conspirators for uh, killing uh, Gulshan Kumar. Yeah, yeah, but he continues to like deny his involvement in it, na, and saying that it's something else. Yeah, exactly. So, he says just the, because he uh, belongs to minority community, that's why he is being targeted. I spoke to him also. I had interviewed him for my channel, and uh, he rejected mm-hmm. all such charges and said just because he belongs to minority community, that's why he was being targeted by the cops. Hmm. and do you know, that that the whole thing like really your book brings back all these memories of uh, uh, of of an era that seems so different now i mean now when i read your book you know and i think oh god all these things happened and we never thought like even while those shootouts were happening one never thought that you it's like kashmir now you're seeing you know it's in the 90s kashmir they were doing this yeah. but these shootouts were happening around us yeah. but the arm mumbaiker never thought <laughs> that's what when i read those books like um, uh, my last book was on kashmir valley of red snow which got published last mm-hmm. may this year uh, so yeah. while researching for uh, that book i read curfew uh, night by basharat uh, yeah. and our moon has but blood clots by rahul pandita so they were narrating yeah. how they grew up with uh, the violence how this such कश्मीर चेंजिंग हाउ दिस इमरजेंस ऑफ गन कल्चर सो आई थॉट बॉस ये सब तो मैंने भी देखा हुआ है और ये सब तो मेरे इर्द गिर्द भी हुआ था मेरे पड़ोस में गोलियां चलती थी एवरी अदर डे आई यूज टू हेयर गन शॉट्स मेरे यहाँ पर भी इतना वायलेंस हुआ है सो आई थिंक इवन दैट शुड बी क्रॉनिकल्ड एंड दैट्स वाई आई चूज टू राइट इट इन फर्स्ट पर्सन 
Yes, yes. And you know, all these stories which were, I mean, even this uh, this Lakshman Ziman and that, uh, yeah. you know, Nita, that story, that was also like, what, so shocking, suddenly she's dead and her husband has ordered the hit, <laughs> you know, yeah. all this. Yeah, but but I tell you, he, he got acquitted in that case. And in most of the cases uh, pertaining to underworld, you know, uh, uh, these gangsters, they get acquitted because uh, uh, mostly they have a team of people who try to destroy evidence or who try to manage witnesses and all that. So, but mm. we can't comment on that because uh, this man has gone through a judicial trial and uh, we have yeah. to accept that. So, he yeah. has been acquitted and uh, he's not accused of... Uh, uh, his uh, former wife's murder now. Yeah, yeah. So, but the story of Ashwin Nayak also, which you have detailed here, is very extraordinary. Like you said, that he's he's an educated. He's a, he was an engineer. He is an engineer. Yeah. Unlike all the other yeah. um, other gangsters like Daud and all, who are barely educated. I mean, you know. Yeah. So, I that also, you know, how is how did that happen? You know uh, what happened was his. Uh, uh, brother, his uh, elder brother, Amar Nayak, who was known as Ravan in uh, Mumbai underworld. He was mm-hmm. ahead of the gang. And, uh, yeah. j- you know, what happens is like when you are into a gang war, so the opponent gang tries to kill your family members also, uh, excluding ladies. But uh, the male members are also targeted. Like uh, Daud's mm-hmm. brother-in-law was targeted by Arun Gauli. And uh, yeah. there have been many other cases. Like uh, and Arun Gauli's brother was targeted by uh, Daud gang. Uh, even mm-hmm. in Pathan gang and Daud gang, gang wars, you will see that uh, relatives, relatives were, male relatives were being targeted. So, uh, Ashwin Naik was also being targeted by Amar Naik's enemies. So, this is how just to like uh, what Ashwin Naik had uh, told cops that just because uh, 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 he was being targeted unnecessarily, he was not part of the crime world, but uh, just because his brother was uh, an underworld lawn, he was being targeted. So, just to uh, survive. He also decided to uh, choose this kind of life, and uh, then he joined Underworld. And after Amar Naik was shot dead in an encounter at Nagpada area, he took over the gang, and he became the boss of the gang, Manjula. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Which also bring you know all these Underworld things also brings me to how like you know I, we all believe that you know uh, it can't happen to journalists and to you know people like us, but clearly you know J Day's murder. Uh, sort of dispelled all those notions, right? And you've mentioned, you've spoken about knowing him at length. Yeah, he was a good friend. He was a sort of mentor to me. He was senior to me. He was sort of mentor to me. In fact, the day he he was cremated, I was supposed to meet him and have a cup of tea with him. He Mm -hmm. had invited me, but at that time I was participating in his funeral. It was like... so sad. And I, I, after that, Chota Rajan had called me and claimed responsibility uh, for murdering him. And uh, I appeared as a witness uh, in the court and uh, my mm. evidence was recorded. And uh, on my evidence, uh, the court had convicted Chota Rajan mm. in 2018. Mm. Okay. But what what was the Jigna Vora thing? You know, what happened with that? No, uh, Jigna Vora was a crime reporter and uh, Mumbai police in its in- initial investigation, they thought that Jigna was helping Chota Rajan uh, with yes. information about uh, J-Day. And uh, yeah. they saw that, uh, uh, they felt that uh, Jigna played a role, uh, but nothing could be proved in court and uh, she was acquitted. Uh, Jigna mm-hmm. was a good journalist. She worked for Asian newspaper 
and uh, what yeah. police assumed that uh, she since uh, she was working for a rival newspaper so that professional rivalry uh, might be one reason yeah, you think it would have gone to such an extent no 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 i don't think i don't agree with uh, that finding uh, people mm. cannot go and kill like their rivals at least uh, among journalism this has not been uh, you think the, i mean it's not that cutthroaty yeah exactly <laughs> <laughs> bizarre i mean i think they they brought their prejudices yeah, I mean, like many like years her, her career was spoiled she had to spend behind bars for uh, many years yeah for, that's what bad that's really terrible and i think they brought the police might have brought their own perspective on their own rivalries which you touch upon later on in the jds murder the cops were under tremendous pressure to detect the case and find the culprits and who were the people involved so i think in that haste uh, somebody came up with this theory uh, like ki uh, jigna ora would have helped uh, chota rajan and they uh, like collaborated some unrelated thing like in the past there would have there had been some uh, bitter exchanges uh, between uh, jd and jigna vora so they related that thing with uh, this murder and uh, then she was framed in the case god it's terrible is really a nightmare for everybody involved yeah. so <laughs> spoiled her career mm-hmm. Yeah yeah so is she still a journalist now No or? no she's uh, no longer into journalism uh, I'm not in touch with her I once saw uh, her at an award function of media hmm. where she was hmm. uh, like uh, one of the organizers so okay. I saw him there like last year I think it was but now she's okay. uh, not uh, writing or uh, like she's not writing regularly or she's not a uh, member of any publication she's not working for any publication Hmm. which brings me to this whole thing about the the police itself the police force itself in mumbai you know their inter uh, rivalries and their camps which you've touched upon and upon uh, you know and how and the whole era when uh, those extra judicial encounters were happening with such um, abandoned gay abandoned they were you know doing it so let's talk about that Yeah yeah so you know uh, about extra judicial killings i'll tell you like uh, in the uh, decade of 90s every day there were shootouts and like uh, there was rain of underworld like uh, it yeah. appeared like th- that uh, uh, underworld was the most powerful uh, like entity in the city and right yeah. outside the police commissioner a businessman is getting killed so that yeah yeah th- you know that was uh, like shocking that uh, that that made national headlines and bharat cha no yeah bharat cha yeah the owner of rupam so uh, yes uh, the cops thought see that these gangs have a very systematic way of uh, working they know how to like uh, u- utilize the loopholes of the law they had a team of uh, manipulating or threatening witnesses and uh, evidences so uh, the police uh, came up with a strategy of encounters and that was backed by gopinath munde who was deputy chief minister and home minister that time yes so yes. Uh, this this was although this was an illegal policy but that worked for the police you know all these gangsters yes. were uh, it is alleged that these gangsters were picked up and killed in cold blood so this oh, act that as a deterrent for the underworld and gradually you will see that uh, once the cops adopted this policy the number of shootouts the killings by uh, underworld gangs dropped and by 2002 2003 the number reduced considerably otherwise there were 100 people getting killed every year 
so in response mm. to that even uh, the cops started shooting gangsters and there were around 100 encounters every year so this is how mm. the police uh, the cops neutralized all these major underworld gangs Hmm. But in the end, the, the encounter specialists themselves got neutralized, right? In exactly. You know, you, all these cops, uh, yeah, they chose to cross the. Uh, uh, they they chose to uh, be part of this policy, implement this policy. Uh, so yeah. they started taking liberties because they were delivering results. It was like uh, hmm. they, they became blue-eyed boys of their bosses. So they started delivering yeah. results and. Uh, the activities of underworld went down so since uh, like they were they had uh, they were being liked by politicians they were li- liked by their superiors so they started taking liberties then they uh, started doing extortions and uh, doing so many other things uh, which uh, like uh, which themselves uh, like which uh, made them themselves look like a criminal so all these yes, and they yes. got involved into many conspiracies some were dismissed and uh, some were put behind the bars some were arrested one of them uh, vijay salaskar he got killed in 2611 attacks so yes. uh, the people who were supposed to neutralize the underworld they neutralized it they did their job but they replaced uh, these gangsters and they did what these gangsters were doing they did themselves yeah and i found this a very good uh, thing you know often it becomes arduous for police officers to work by the book and this remains one of the gray areas of policing in mumbai so i thought that was a very wise statement you've made yeah exactly exactly uh, you know like uh, that's why i labeled that chapter as bitter pill you know uh, it's bitter yeah. because it is illegal uh, what they did was illegal but still they had to uh, take that pill uh, because otherwise uh, the other ways of dealing with underworld were not working there were laws made like uh, mcoc maharashtra control of organized crime act there were other laws also but they were yeah. not being as effective as this policy of encounters so they decided that uh, they will respond to a, a bullet with a bullet so this is the way how mm. they neutralize underworld gangs and today in mumbai all those major gangs are not active you will say daud ibrahim's gang chota rajan's gang arun gowli's gang abu salem's gang all such gangs mm. are no longer active in mumbai hmm but uh, they might not be active but maybe we don't know what's happening something else is happening because like some one friend of yours has said there will always be an underworld right is it ever possible and to exactly. get so there will be uh, like uh, 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 crime will always happen and uh, certain groups will be always there who are involved into breaking the laws uh, they will be in other form like today we see that uh, many underworld gangs they are now into real estate business or they are into smuggling mm-hmm. they are into drugs so now they mm-hmm. involved in such kind of crime earlier they were they used to do extortion calls kidnappings and all such things so uh, mm-hmm. those big gangs are no longer there but they many small gangs have mushroomed who are doing a different kind of crimes so still the organized mm-hmm. crime syndicate is still there but in a different form mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. form which is different from the 90s the what we saw in 90s yeah. so, uh, mm-hmm. so that is not there mm-hmm. that sort of spectacular and very obvious sort of crime maybe now it's more muted i don't know exactly <laughs> <laughs> though they more more clever than what they used to be in the 90s nice right, right manjula <laughs> uh i also you know your book also reminded me of all, such forgotten things like the zunka bakar stalls and you know all those things which just vanished 
and Harshad Mehta and you know so I it, this is almost I don't know it's a strange kind of nostalgia to read this book <laughs> did you intend that you you know uh, i'm uh, i'm i'm a person i'm a kind of person who likes to live in the past <laughs> and i think that has helped me to write this book <laughs> 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 so like an astrologer will say that you since you are a cancerian so cancerians kya karte hain ki they like wo purani khayalon mein khoye rehte hain purani cheezon par and all that so i don't believe in astrology as much but people will say ki theek hai i since i have noticed about myself about my personality that i like history history was one of my subject in the college uh during my graduation i graduated in political science but one of the subjects was history from wilson from wilson from wilson college so uh that's what i i even in like free time i used to you know i i uh, during weekends i go to uh, this uh, kala ghoda area or fort area in mumbai uh, and just uh, uh, walk around uh, stroll around and just imagine ki how this place would have looked 400 years ago when portuguese were there when britishers yeah. were there there so oh, i just like to do that ha <laughs> <laughs> now that you but now that you mentioned astrologers the one part which really made me laugh is this chitra ramakrishna <laughs> ओरिजिनली आई because it was very uh, one of the latest uh, incidents so i thought of omitting it but then i thought see that this is historic and uh, since my book is talking about history and it is uh, documenting it is chronicling uh, the things which had happened during the last 30 years so i should put this as well so that's why i mentioned that chitra ramakrishnan's incident you know in that case a former mumbai police commissioner has been also arrested uh, 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 Sanjay Pandey, Sanjay Pandey, who was yeah. police commissioner of Mumbai. So, as soon as he got retired, uh, he was arrested in the case. Ah, uh, hmm. So the, again, you know, it brings us back to how, like, you can't, like, the sometimes the police and the criminals are like almost the same, unfortunately. No. Yeah, 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 yeah. They're, they're, like, uh, uh, there have been many instances. That, uh, just see this Antilia case. like yeah yeah that is a classic example car with explosives is parked outside uh, mukesh ambani's residence hmm by cops themselves to extort money from him yeah yeah bizarre it's such a bizarre case yeah 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 very bizarre yeah so so and many so, many like uh, many cops were arrested in that case the it yeah. the conspiracy was hatched by all these uh, policemen only belonging to mumbai police yeah Uh, former encounter specialist exactly. also he was also arrested <laughs> they all are under behind bars the two encounter specialist are behind bars one is sachin waje other is pradeep sharma ha uh, yeah so see at one, at one point they are great heroes and the media also exactly, kind yeah. of like <laughs> we all used <laughs> to interview them we all used to interview every day we used to go to their offices and interview them and every day they they used to kill somebody and claim that uh, uh we have neutralized a big gangster he killed so many people yeah. 
he had so many cases on his head so we neutralized yeah. him Hmm. And another thing, you know, you've you've pointed to is this: how do you think? Like now, I'm asking you because you know this is a constant thing that uh, people are talking about, and you've touched on it in your book on how Bollywood might move out of Mumbai, right? You know, because of you the know, Bollywood pressure. has already started moving out from Mumbai, uh, Manjula. Uh, there yeah. are many reasons. Like uh, first of all, like. Uh, it's very difficult to shoot in mumbai like if somebody who is uh, like shooting in mumbai so there's uh, like militant unionism one thing yes. and if you're shooting yes. outdoors you have to pay so so many people you have to manage so many people you have to manage the cops you have to manage the local politicians you have to manage local gundas so there are so many things they like uh, these filmy people are extorted uh, by many uh, you know uh, many different people uh, that is yeah. one thing Secondly, you know, the, uh, Mumbai was a muse for all these filmmakers. Uh, that has also changed. Earlier, there were yes. so many movies based on Mumbai, Mumbai underworld life in Mumbai. But you will see that yeah. uh, since uh, Mumbai underworld has collapsed, so Mumbai no longer remains a muse for these filmmakers. So you will see uh, movies like Mirzapur, which talks about uh, yeah. underworld of uh, Uttar Pradesh. Then there is uh, Gangs of Vasipur. Then there are other movies yeah. like so. Uh, yeah. First of all, it's becoming difficult to shoot in Mumbai. Secondly, Mumbai no longer remains a subject of the filmmakers. Yes, yes, that's true. <laughs> so, so you think like going forward they will move out? I mean, that will be very sad. Like, if imagine Noida being the center of uh, Hindi film industry. I mean, so, it's you know, logical. Yogi Adityanath two, two years back he came to Mumbai and he invited filmmakers. that i'll make all arrangements in uh, uttar pradesh come to uh, up and uh, i'll facilitate uh, uh, your shoots there film production and uh, everything is <laughs> not gun culture in ncr is any less <laughs> but you know yogi is known for like uh, adopting the same policy which gopinath munde adopted in 90s policy of encounters yeah. and uh, to protect yeah. the law you have to break the law <laughs> yeah so that kind mm-hmm. of policy okay and on that note we will end i can keep talking to you about bombay mumbai you know since both of us are from there yeah, exactly. i mean i love this book and i was like reading it and thinking it reminded me of so many things that have happened to me also in my own life and people i've known and you know so it was very fascinating to read it. i'm really glad you put it all down in this very engaging uh, way you know so thank you manjula very good <laughs> so now for the listeners go out and get bombay after ayodhya a city in flux by jitendra dikshit it's really a very interesting read and i mean not just if you are from mumbai if you are from anywhere because you know mumbai is such an interesting city it's such a fantastic city it's gone through so much in the last three decades but it still is i don't know one of the as somebody who's grown up there i will always say it's one of the best places in the country <laughs> you may differ but uh, so go out and read this book it's a fantastic read and i enjoyed it a great deal thank you so much for talking to me jitendra thank you manjula it was nice interacting with you thanks a lot okay bye this was a hindustan times production brought to you by hd smartcast hd smartcast